Good morning, this is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I just finished reading a wonderful book, David McCulloch's biography of John Adams, our second president. The book is, oh, it's 600 pages or so, but it really it reads like a novel. Now, this is not just a paid commercial for David McCulloch's book. It has something to do with the gospel, I think. McCulloch is trying to find what it is about John Adams that makes him a great person. Adams certainly was a man of terrific intelligence, of vivacity. He had a wonderful circle of friends, had a terrific influence, obviously. But what McCulloch puts his finger on is Adams' capacity to take risks. Call it courage if you want. But at certain key moments in his life, Adams was able to take a risk and because of those risks, our country emerged. Let me give you just a couple of examples of this. Back in 1775, 1776, there was certainly a consensus in the colonies that they were being taken advantage of by Great Britain. There was an anger, certainly, over all kinds of economic and political matters. But there was by no means a consensus that revolution, independence, war were the route to go. John Adams sets off in 1776 to join the Continental Congress in Philadelphia. It dawns on him with a great clarity that independence was what the colonies needed. And Adams, almost by sheer force of personality, by his power of persuasion, by his lively mind, begins to convince other members of the Congress that independence is what they need. Throughout that hot summer of 1776, Adams cajoled and argued and manipulated and twisted arms and finally brought them around with the help of Jefferson and Franklin and others. But largely it was Adams who brought them around to accepting independence. Then came the risk. Adams and with him these other members of the Congress affixed their names to the Declaration of Independence. Now, we look back after more than 200 years, and we see this event as wonderful and monumental, and we see these figures almost as like wax figures in a museum. But think of the time. They knew when they were affixing their names to that document, they were signing, in a certain sense, their death warrant. It was by no means guaranteed that America would win the war. They were up against the most powerful military force on the planet and if these men were tracked down they would be hanged and there was John Adams willing to take that enormous risk and because of it the country came into existence two years later 1778 the war is not going well remember Valley Forge was the winter of 77 78 it's not going well, and Adams is asked by the Continental Congress to go over to France as a representative of the young country. Now, traveling anywhere in the 18th century, 
traveling by land was a dicey business. But traveling by sea was something you did only in dire necessity. It was that dangerous. Captains wanted to sail only during the summer or maybe the early fall when weather was pretty good. They never sailed in the winter or the early spring. That's when Adams had to go over to France. And it wasn't just the weather. The Atlantic Ocean was filled with hostile shipping. America's at war with England. It's filled with English shipping. If Adams had been captured, he would certainly have been hanged. But he knew in 1778 that the relationship with France was vital for the success of this young country. And so he risked. Off he went on this journey. One of the best parts of McCulloch's book is his description of this journey across the Atlantic in 1778. Adams went, by the way, with his young son, John Quincy, who was no more than 12. They faced all the weather they were afraid of facing, storms and gales and waves. At one point, a lightning strike even knocked the mast out of commission. There's a terrific scene in the book where the storm is so bad that Adams and his son are below deck, and they're just hanging on to each other for dear life. They also faced the hostile shipping they were afraid of. They were accosted by a British ship, and they had to fight it out. Well, Adams eventually made it to France and played his vital role in establishing diplomatic relations. If he had not taken that risk in 1778, this vital chapter never would have been written. There's a last one I want to tell you about, which is also a, a wonderful story. Young John Quincy Adams came over with him, as I mentioned, when he was 12. And he begins his education in France. He's a brilliant kid and eventually becomes very fluent in French. So a few years later, the Congress decides we have to send an embassy over to Russia. We want to get some economic or political aid from Russia. The language of the Russian court was French. No one in the American delegation spoke French well enough to deal with it. So John Adams approaches his little son, and he says, you must go on this arduous journey, so not across land, but still an arduous journey to Moscow, and negotiate with the Tsarina. The child is 14 years old at the time. Now what I love is Adams approaches his son, and he says, I know this is difficult. I'm asking you to perform a very serious and very dangerous mission on behalf of the country. But the country needs you. And so though it was breaking his own heart, and this comes through in his letters back home to his wife, it was breaking his heart to send his little 14-year-old son on this arduous journey to Russia. But the country needs you to take the risk. I think what McCulloch argues is this is why Adams was such a great figure. You know what's intriguing to me? We look back at the founding fathers and we see them almost as inevitable, these great museum figures. But at the time, they were seen as kind of hotheads. Most Americans weren't in favor of rebellion against Great Britain. But because people like Adams, like Hamilton, Jefferson, Madison, Washington, because they were willing to live risky lives, looking into a future that they could not clearly see, our country came into existence. Now, 
why am I telling you all these stories? Just to stir up your patriotic fervor? <laughs> no, that's not it. Though we're not too far after the 4th of July. I tell them because this theme of risky behavior, taking a chance, leaping boldly into a future that we do not clearly see, is a very powerful biblical theme. And really, it's what the readings this week are talking about. Listen to this very beginning of the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, faith is the realization of what is hoped for, an evidence of things not seen. Faith. Faith is not just an ascent of the mind. You know, we can think of it that way very intellectually. I, I make an act of faith. I believe certain things. That's part of it. But in the Bible, faith means a whole attitude of life. Listen again. The realization of what is hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And now the example of faith. Again, from the letter to the Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was to go. Christians, whenever the Bible talks about Abraham, it's talking about faith. Abraham is our father in faith. He's the one who exemplifies what it means to be a person of faith. At the age of 75, he's called by God to go in search of a promised land he knew nothing about. Now, mind you, 75, he's an old man at the end of his life, settled with his family, his friends around him, in the city he knows. What does God want? I want you to get up, Abraham, and go in search of a land that I will show you. You know nothing about it. You know nothing of the dangers you will face. You know nothing of the people you might encounter. But get up now and go. Whenever I meditate on the Abraham story, I always think of the most dramatic example in my own life of getting up and going to a place I didn't know much about. And that was when I was 29, and under conditions much more benign than those that faced John Adams. I had to cross the Atlantic Ocean, this time by airplane, and I landed in Paris, where I commenced my studies. But getting off that plane in Paris, having left behind everyone I knew, every place I knew, having left behind my own language, and having to face this new world, having to face a dark future I could not see. Now, knowing fully well, I'd go back on a plane in a few months on vacation, I'd, I'd be home in the summertime and all of that, but still, how perilous that was. Now, think of Abraham. 75, not 29, the end of his life, and having no idea what the future held. To leap and to go and to risk, even in that situation, under the command of God, that's faith. Notice, Christians, read the entire scripture under this rubric. I think you'll find that these adventures, these risks, are every place. When does Israel tend to go wrong? in the Old Testament. It tends to go wrong when it sits still. Israel is an Exodus people. 
Israel is a people on the go, on the move, under the direction of God. But when they decide, we will sit still, we will seek safety, security, we will rest in our own accomplishments, it's then that Israel goes bad. But when they are a kind of pilgrim people, on the go, on the move, under the direction of God, accepting it in faith, that they flourish. Not just an ascent of the mind, but a whole attitude of the heart and the body and the soul. A riskiness, a courage. That's what faith is. All the risks we face in life, all the acts of faith, what are they preparations for? The ultimate adventure. The ultimate journey. The ultimate transition. I'm talking about the transition through the darkness of death to new life. Let's face it, Christians. In the grand scheme of things, none of us knows our future. First of all, in the ordinary sense, I don't know what's going to happen to me next week. But the great darkness that confronts me and you and everybody else is the darkness that lies through and beyond death. And we all know, whether we like it or not, that that's where we are heading. Whatever other turns the adventure of life takes, we know that it ends up at a place where we must go into a future that we do not see. What is faith throughout our lives but a kind of preparation for, or better, a kind of practicing for, the great leap we will take into the darkness of death? Now, why do we take it? Why do we take any of these leaps? Why don't we just sit still, rest comfortably in what we have? Because we have a God who wants us fully alive. The only way into that life is to let go of what we've got and trusting, trusting, trusting in God's providence, leap into his loving arms. Do we see it? No. By definition, we don't see. And yet, we trust. To be a person of faith, that's the whole of the gospel message. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.